Amused Boosh is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. It's like a giant, very unsafe wind chime. <laughs> yes. All right. Hi, everybody. My name is Jen. My name is Abby. And this is Amused Boosh. Welcome to batch number eight. Abby, another special guest here in the building with us. With us here is Thomas Thacker, the executive vice president and COO of Southern Grace Distilleries, which holds a special place in my heart and also in Jacob's heart, who has been, you know, a guest on several episodes. Um, We wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, we showcase something that is a staple in our household, um, which is conviction a bourbon uh, made at southern grace distillery so um, we wanted to bring you in thomas um to to ask you a few questions and learn a little bit about southern grace and hopefully um you know get a few people curious about it and uh and learn a little bit more sounds good to me. welcome thanks for joining us thank you for having me and fire away awesome great so i guess my first question is you know what is southern grace distilleries how did it come about in 2014, uh, Leanne Powell and I started Southern Grace Distilleries in downtown Concord. We were in the old Warren Coleman Mill, and we made uh, high-proof moonshine corn whiskey. Uh, Sundog 130 was our first product. Uh, after about a year and a half of that, we wanted to transition into an aged product, which bourbon is. And the facility, the old wood floors had been oil-soaked and waxed for 100 years, and we could not get a fire code approval Mm -hmm. to age large amounts of whiskey in that property. So we started the the search for a a property, and Leanne saw Whiskey Prison and the property in Mount Pleasant and fell in love with it, and we moved in. We'll be five years on the spot of Labor Day weekend. Now, did I hear you correctly? Did you say prison? It is an old uh, minimum security prison that opened in 1929, and our, our tours on the facility include tours of all of the, the prison properties, the isolation cells. Uh, the new dorm that was built in 1987 is actually our main production facility, and the 1929 dorm is our bourbon uh, aging house. It is, it is where all of the, the, the barrels are, are racked and, and aged in the, in the original dorm on the prison. Follow-up question, how haunted is it? Uh, considerably. <laughs> uh, we do some ghost tours, and people bring their machines that tell them where ghosts are, and ghosts tell them things, and some of them don't like the fact that we're there now, oh, which man. is a bit disconcerting, but they are, <laughs> they are there, and there are people who can tell you exactly who they are and where they are. Yeah. Have you met any of them yourself? I, I, I don't. Um, I, I'm not. I leave when that stuff starts. Good. But uh, that, I've, I've felt, you know, the, the people are weird enough. I don't want to deal with ghosts. <laughs> I the ghosts. You're like, I'm COO. I've got yeah, enough of this crap. Yes, I've got. They're, they're not on staff. I don't have to sign their checks. I don't worry about them. Oh, man. I will say, um, it's Jacob on the microphone. Hi, Jacob. Now. Hi, Hi Jacob. Um, As far as the 1987 um addition to the prison anyone who went to school in the 80s and 90s if you want to go there uh there's a good chance that that part of the prison will look exactly like the middle or high school you went to because that's the first thing i thought of when i saw <laughs> i i went and went like oh well the same architect obviously designed this because i went to school in cabarrus county i'm like oh yep it looks just like this on the outside <laughs> same windows same square gray. pizza in yeah. the same fashion yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
it pairs nicely with the whiskey, <laughs> yeah. as it were. So did you feel more at home then, Jacob, when you... It made me more afraid than when it was just a prison. Okay. It was like, oh, this is just an old prison. That's fine. I'm like, oh, God, it looks like middle school. <laughs> I'm in a so, lot of trouble. <laughs> so obviously, that, that's an incredibly unique setting, right, to have any sort of business but uh, a whiskey or bourbon distillery. I would imagine that adds a lot of character to the products that you're able to put out. And I'm just sort of glancing over here to the side. Has that influenced the the naming of the products that you all produce? It, it has. Uh, conviction, of course. Uh, we, we sort of steer into the other definition of conviction, the commitment to quality. Yeah. But the, the original tagline on conviction, of course, tied into, into the prison aspect of it. Uh, and, and just having that, having that barrel house that's, you know, that's almost 100 years old to, to age the whiskey in, it's a, it's a perfect space for that. It's a perfect space for our small group tastings. And it is almost unique in the industry to have something. We didn't build a great big, you know, refinery. We're a very, we're about as small as you can be mm. and, and function selling distilled spirits. And it fit everything that we do. Uh, we fit it around that space as much as we could, other than, other than you know, worker safety and, and coding issues. It looks like it did when the prisoners moved out. That's so cool. That is so cool. And can you, you mentioned a little bit about Sundog 130. Can you help us understand the journey that, go, that this goes through to go from corn <laughs> to bourbon? Is it hooch? Do we call that hooch? Some, <laughs> yes, you can, you, you can certainly call the, the 130 that. Uh, we, we have a high corn uh, grain, uh, grain bill. We don't use any rye and we don't use any wheat. We're 88% corn, 12% barley. Uh, that mash bill uh, is that's fermented in, in 50 gallons, basically 50 gallons of water, yeast, and about a week. And uh, then we separate that wash that it's about a 10 or 11% by volume ABV. It's basically a flat beer at that point. Mm. And we, we pull it off with a hose with an inline filter. We separate uh, the, the grain from the, from the wash. The liquid that comes off goes to the still. It goes in at about 11% alcohol by volume. And it, it starts coming out of the still at 160 proof or 159 proof. So it's about Ooh. 80. It goes from 11% to 80%. Uh, that's that's what the all of the alcohol we create. People have a misconception. They think the stills make alcohol the alcohol is made in fermentation the stills just concentrated at a, at a much higher proof but that's the you know it, it, it sits in we use plastic buckets some people have big huge fermenters if you go to breweries you'll see really large fancy stainless steel fermenters we make we make our corn whiskey the way people have been making corn whiskey in the woods for mm. 150 years or in prisons. Yeah, or in oh, prisons. Yes, I, we, we don't actually have the, the small setup that prisoners have used, but yes. No it's, toilet hooch it's, here. No, no, the, 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 the cisterns just weren't big enough to, to put those in. So once it comes out of the still, it is not yet bourbon, correct? It is not. Bourbon, uh, by, by rule, has to be aged in new charred American white oak barrels. So it comes out of the still. It is whiskey. It is a corn whiskey at that point. Sundog 130 is an unaged product. It's not bourbon. It is a corn whiskey. It's, uh, in my opinion, it is the finest example of North Carolina high-proof moonshine. If, if people have ever consumed any really good illegal corn whiskey, this is that. But legal. P but, but the tax is paid on it. It's the, <laughs> the only difference. Um, it, we, we cut it. 
to want to 105 proof. That is our barreling in proof. We fill it up in a barrel, and at that point, after it sits on that new wood any time at all, it can be called bourbon. It has to stay in the barrel a minimum of two years to be called straight bourbon. When you see a label that says straight bourbon whiskey or straight rye whiskey, that means it has aged at least two years. I'm learning so that. much. Yeah. I'm a wino at heart, so I'm I'm familiar with that process, but I'm a baby infant at all of the, the bourbon whiskey. Uh, yeah. So, so I need to obviously go take the tour. Come on board. And I would, I would <laughs> imagine yeah, come, come on. to the this dark may, side. This, the education part of it may be what I need to sort of babysit my way into it because it is certainly a very different product, and I think... I have a certain connotation in my head, having grown up in Southwest Virginia, of what moonshine tastes like. I would imagine I've not had what you've referenced as a really good one. Right. <laughs> just really bad. So I'm a lot excited. of people make it. Not very many people make it really well, and there that's a, that's a big difference. Now, do you want your mind blown even further? Yes, please explain. Okay, it. Thomas, can you tell us a little bit about how rotation occurs in your barrels and and the unique way that you guys kind of move the liquid around in your barrels? Yes, once. Uh, once the corn whiskey goes into the barrel, the most important thing is that it stay active, that it not just rest. Uh, there's a char barrier inside the barrel, and that serves as a, as a filter. It's a micro sieve. You want the whiskey to soak into the wood as deep as it can, as often as it can. And you actually create this very small but but cyclical, constantly moving environment inside of the barrels. There are two things that play a very vital role in that. One we had nothing to do with, and that is the temperature in our area. If you look at, I mean, the, the, the two great classic American spirits are Jack Daniels, that's made in Lynchburg, Tennessee, and bourbon that's made in the Lexington, Louisville, Bardstown area mm-hmm. of Kentucky. If you do average daily highs, average daily lows, temperature variances, relative humidity, we're right in the sweet spot between those two places. There's this little whiskey belt that, that sort of runs through there, and we're right in the middle of it. So we got lucky as far as that goes. The other thing we do is um, our, our company president, investor, uh, Dr. Alan Dobson, he plays in a band, and they have these great big live music speakers and a mixing board and all of that. So we have about a 700-song playlist, and we blast music at these barrels every minute that we're open. Okay, I see what's That's happening. so cool to me. That and, we're, and we're pushing uh, pushing sound waves through the barrels. If you've ever put a solo cup on a speaker and watched the liquid inside of it jump, we're looking for that. It's a much smaller okay. scale, but it's a constant small nudging of the spirit to stay active and interact with the wood as much as possible over its aging life. Just get it to drop it like it's hot. That's you it. Know? That's all you're asking. Get it to shake a little bit. That's awesome. Really cool. Now, now did you choose any of the songs on the playlist, or was there any like level of It's of the quality only thing there? I'm a jackass about. Is <laughs> I, those guys over there, they're good at their jobs, and they get to do about what they want to do. I'm not listening to anybody else's crappy music at work. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting – they're all my – I, I'm the boss of the playlist and not much else. And what's like a couple of the, yeah. what's a couple of the high notes? Which songs? A lot of a lot of jazz, a lot of New Orleans jazz, a lot okay. of classic rock. But we go from the 1920s up until about six months ago. So it's okay. it's a hundred year slice 
of American popular music. You got to play the ghosts their own music too. That's, that's so exactly 1920s. right. Yes, that's exactly Keep right. Yeah, about half the music is probably recorded by dead people, so they they may know those guys. Who knows? Oh man, they're, they're the ones coming in and out of the barrel, <laughs> shaking the liquid. <laughs> Keep active. Uh, you had a question? Oh, no, I was just going to say that the um, uh, the playing the music now that is actually isn't it a um, it's done as a substitute instead of moving the barrels, correct? Because a lot of times in a barrel house, the barrels would be rotated around around the barrel house to expose it to different environments in the barrel house. Yes, uh, and the the taller your barrel house, where if you go to if you go to Kentucky, if you go to really large distilleries, they may have ten, fifteen racks to where you could be looking at twenty degrees of difference between the top and the wow. bottom. So they rotate those barrels there to sort of equalize that exposure to temperature over the aging life of each barrel. We're only about three high, mm-hmm. so that really isn't a consideration for us. And, you know, 90-year-old uh, rafter <laughs> suspension was not <laughs> swinging racks really wasn't an option. But some racks in modern uh, rick houses can actually be agitated uh, either manually or mechanically we, uh, you know, we opted for something that was a little less elaborate. Jimi Hendrix, that. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so most most uh, distilleries don't play music at their uh-huh. um, <laughs> That 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 as far, so far as I know, they do not. They each have other methods. There's a there's a brand out there that they put their barrels in shipping containers and put them on boats to agitate the whiskey, and we. We priced cargo ships and we priced speakers, and that we made that decision. That was a, that was driven by finance. So, Got is it, it possible to create a barrel wind chime, just Ooh. like a giant, very unsafe wind chime? <laughs> yes, we're just, I, we're just I'm just spitballing here, you know? guys. <laughs> just OSHA, OSHA doesn't come around here much. <laughs> well, on that note, shall we do some tasting? Let's do some tastings. Cool. You're Let's in. Oh, I'm in. So Thomas is just pouring us all each a small glass. Um, so this of is the, the conviction. One. This is conviction. This is barrel five sixty two. This is a barrel that uh, Emily actually did a pick for Mother's Day, and this was this was her Mother's Day bourbon. Mm. For those of you who don't know, that's a thing. Cool. Um, Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> right. It'll get you the, drunk. <laughs> the proof on this is ninety eight point nine. As we said, we're we're cask strength or barrel proof, and you see that on the label. That means that the way it come out comes out of the wood is the way it goes in the bottle. It's not it's not watered down. Because of that, we have to handwrite the proof on all of our labels because we don't know in advance what it's going to be. If you drink a bourbon that is always the same proof that they printed on the label that it's eighty or ninety or a hundred, they're adding water to that after it comes out of the barrel. That's how they're able to pinpoint proof in advance. They're not that much smarter than we are. It just <laughs> <laughs> now walk us through, Thomas, how we should experience our first day. So we've been kind of you know letting it you know breathe a little bit and we're smelling it um but if we're going to take our first taste kind of guide us through that as a as a wine person you know that 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 legs and viscosity that that's something that that is visual Mm -hmm. in wines because spirits are a little thinner than wine uh some people still like to do that of course you evaluate the color uh i don't use the the legs to take i use mouthfeel to to determine viscosity for me it's it's more tactile than it is visual um, nose. Do you get some of the, the caramelly I sweetness I smell like brown on sugar mm-hmm. on it. Mm. Oh. Okay, so the first thing that I get, other than, like, obviously the heat of the alcohol, is the nice, like, sweetness mm-hmm. on it. That's surprisingly... 
and it doesn't slap you in the face. No. Um, you know, there's, for me, what I refer to it as like, like tingles or sparkles on my tongue, you know, like, and then there's a nice warm heat when you swallow. Um, but when I inhale, I can, you know, and then exhale again, I can kind of get more of that sweetness that I originally had. There's like a lingering, um, I would say like char kind of oakiness to it that I don't think I've been able to recognize before. And I have had the pleasure of trying this one. And I remember at the time being like, I can see why this is a pick because it's, it's not overwhelming on your palate right off. It's really nice. And, uh, it kind of makes me feel like I'm sitting next to a fire. Yeah. Like crackly fall time fire. In the, in the mid palate and a finish for me, I start to get almost bittersweet or dark chocolate and, yeah. and it does have a little bit of char in it. Uh, one thing to think about is that this is 99 proof. This is almost a hundred proof and it's room temperature and it doesn't overwhelm you or hurt you because it's well-made. A lot of people will drink an 80 or a 90 proof vodka and they're like, oh, it's horrible. It's too much alcohol. It's not that it's too much alcohol. It's that there's nothing really else to compete if right. you get with, for your sensory bandwidth. If you pick up these flavor notes, if, if you do the whole thing right and the barrel does its job, this is what you end up with. It's things that almost mask the fact that it is still half alcohol. Yeah, right. But you, you have other things to talk about other than it's, oh, it's just, it's just burning my mouth. Is it, it the same terminology in, in the wine world where if the wine is, is super high in ABV such that it overpowers everything else, we call it hot. It's like, that's right. a, it's hot and it's, it's overpowering all of the nuance that's in there. Is it the same sort of, of it, phrasing? It, it is. And also we look for something that, that when, when you talk about wines, you're talking about a balance. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be over tannic or over acidic or over sweet. And that's sort of what we, when we evaluate a barrel to decide if we're going to bottle that barrel or not. It doesn't have to be the same as all the others because it's not going to be. But is it good enough? Does it meet a standard and, and balance that, you know, you've basically got, you've got the nose, You've got, the, you've got the front palate, the mid palate, and the finish. And in, in wine, some people call it the fifth stage. Mm -hmm. um, we call it the draw. It's after you swallow. You just sort of pull okay. across your mouth, and you get to taste it all over again. And if it presents something positive in all five stages, then it's good enough, even if it's a little different than the last I'm gonna one. I'm going to try the fifth stage. Hold on. I just, I just tried that. I think I still got a little bit of training to do. But I can say that you know after my previous taste... Um, I had some water and I still had a nice lingering sweetness um, in my mouth that was very pleasant. Yeah. And again, there was a little bit of that like, you know, charness to it, um, but in the in a great way where you still have like that memory on your palate of yeah. what you had just been drinking. That's nice. And it's um, for me and in, in, I'm sorry, I keep talking about wine terminology, but it's the, the a long finish, right? It's going to stick around for me. Yeah. I, I love a long finish because you don't the memory is still there, right? You don't I'm have still, to immediately yeah. take another sip because you're like, oh, what did that taste like? It's still there and it's still, it's almost like a, a piece of music, right? Yes. It's still singing something and it's not quite done yet. And we always talk about, this. that's actually good. It's the fade out on a mm -hmm. record. It's, it's, do you still, do you still want to listen to speaking your language, yeah. Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. On it. Uh, but it's, the, to me, the, the fifth stage, the draw, it's, uh, you're, you're tasting it, it's not even your mouth anymore. So I, I'm told that Southern Grace has has been given some pretty impressive accolades um, over the years. Uh, I would love to to hear what those are. Um, our our aged products, which are really the our flagship product, is Conviction Bourbon, and it's available in 
all of your good ABC stores. All the it, good ones. It may not be in all of them, okay. but it's in all of the good ones. All the good ones. Jacob yeah. knows which they are. Uh, yeah, also. all the ones near my house. I we'll made post sure. the list for you on the Instagram. That's correct. Yeah. Leanne used to put pins in maps when she heard that they were somewhere. <laughs> Basically, every contest that we've entered, we've uh, we've done very well. And the Sundog is our most awarded product simply because it's it's head and shoulders above the other products of his type. Uh, there are a lot of great bourbons. There's no need to drink any one bourbon. We're, we just want to be one of the bourbons that people drink. Uh, but our uh, conviction, an early release of conviction, won the best bourbon four years and under in America at the New Orleans Bourbon Festival two summers ago, and they haven't had one since. So we're still the defending. Still right. Yeah, we're we're still the defending champion. COVID uh, COVID wiped the competition out last year, and and so we we carry we still carry the title until they you have the event again. You wiped the competition That's out. That's right. <laughs> yes, they they had to, we we were so good they just stopped. Yeah, competing. they just had to end the competition. <laughs> Take a hiatus. Oh, that's great. So, so when you guys were moving from the Sundog era into the Southern Grace era, talk to me about that transition and, and when you sort of knew that you had something really special on your hands. Obviously, the, the location maybe played a part of that, but what else, when things were start, starting to come together, really gave you the heads up that you've got something really awesome on your hands here? When we started pulling early samples of our, of our bourbon, because uh, you don't want to, you don't want to get oxygen in. You don't want to take up, take them all up, open and play with them and close them back up. But it's very, it's very common just to check the trajectory of one during its aging life, and not all of them. But you sort of pick an example uh, from from a certain distillation batch or a certain bottling or, or barreling in period, and then you you start and we start checking those. And it was actually one of those that was sent to the New Orleans. It wasn't even two years old yet. We just sent it down there. We figured we'd go down there. Nobody would recognize that we were there, but we were just going to just, Leanne just wanted to go down and be a part of that and sort of build for the future and make some industry contacts. And we sent a thing down there. It was 15 months old and it was, it was deemed the best bourbon in America under, under four years of age. So we were beating uh, products that were two and three times the age wow. of it. And that kind of, that was the first real indication that from a fermentation grain bill distillation regime where we were putting the barrels that we knew at that point, this could be special. This could really work. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about what some of those key recognizable taste profiles might be? Yeah. What are, what are we looking for here for, for the folks who are ignorant like myself? And myself. Um, what... And bourbon is a, is a broad class of spirit. And as you get more familiar with them, you start to notice the difference between them. And the, the grain bill itself, does it have a lot of rye? Is it wheated? Is it heavy corn? Each of those sort of presents its own flavor profile when done properly. I'm going to talk about ours. I'd be glad to answer questions about any others. But what we look for with a lot of corn is we look for a light, 
sweetness. Mm. And I'll tell you something funny. I did a tasting for my mom, and she doesn't drink at all, at all, anything ever. Oh and uh, But she was really interested in what I did, and she said, just show me what you do at work. So I talked about the, the light honey and then the caramel on the mid-tones and, 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 and on and on and on, and she tasted it. She said, eh, it doesn't taste like <laughs> any of those things. So these are all relative to whiskey sure. flavor profiles. It doesn't really taste like honey with cloves in it, for those of you who've never tried it before. <laughs> Uh, but light sweetness on the opening of the palate, uh, and sometimes we get lucky and we get a more complex sweetness. It can shift to caramels and toffees. Usually on the mid-palate is where a spice profile will come in. Cinnamon, but not imitation cinnamon, like a big red chewing gum kind of a cinnamon. You won't really ground spicy cinnamon. Mm or cloves, allspice, mace, those kinds of things. The finish, even on our products uh, that don't have any rye, sometimes they will get bright and peppery and you'll get heat like a rye. That's dependent on the barrel. Um, but a lot of these flavor profiles are driven by the wood. Our, our thing is that we work really hard in fermentation. We work really hard in distillation, and then we trust the wood. You put it in a barrel, and a barrel works. It's for what you pay for them, they should. They work their magic, and that's what really makes bourbon be the distinctive spirit that it is. You rock their faces off and then <laughs> yeah. let it do its thing. You know, it's interesting to me that even though they're all white oak, they're still getting some some differences. In well, I'm sure the there's taste. difference in when it was put in the barrel, what time of year, the weather. I'm sure that, like wine, it, it depends so much on the environment, too, to, to add those variables. Is that true in, in your business as well? It is, and we have learned from our vendors that the barrels are as complicated as whiskey itself is, mm. that how old the trees are, how dense the growth rings are, mm. the how long it stayed on the stave yard, the humidity of it, uh, the toast and char level of each barrel. There are so many steps, and we have a really good vendor mm -hmm. who can walk us through some of those things. But it's still, to your point, it is extremely variable from barrel to barrel. Whiskey that is distilled on the same day and that is barreled on the same day and that sits side by side on the same rack can taste like two completely different products when you side-by-side -side taste those two barrels. And that's just a function of that individual wood and what it did to the whiskey. Yeah. That's cool. That, that, to me, speaks to sort of the magic of a, a small production versus, like, a massive, you know, like, factory churning out Bud Lights and things that are all the same, and, they're, and the, the consumer expects it to be the same. But in this case, maybe the nuance of each bottle being a little bit different is sort of exciting. And maybe Jacob can speak to that, that, you know, the, a person who is, is looking for this in the good liquor stores in North Carolina may, may be looking for that sort of variation or, or be looking for the, the nuances that are, that are presented and, and just the art form that it is, you know, what you, that was a chewy way to say I, all of that. But I will speak to that. Please and do. It, is, um, it is very nice to see. Um, the variation in uh, barrel because uh, if people don't know on bottles of conviction they write what barrel it came out of and which bottle out of that barrel it is and it's not except for certain varieties as far as I know it's not blended and so you get it's different each barrel mm. and so every once in a while I'll go to the store I say oh barrel 658 we'll see Ooh, that's good Ooh, barrel 411 what's that like 
Oh, and, and by the way, if anybody does have a bottle of Barrel 411 out there still, I'll buy it from you for more than cost because that was absolutely favorite? my favorite. It's, you, it's yeah. Barrel 411. You can email us at amusedbouchepod at gmail.com. We need Barrel 411. double sticker price for it. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care feels like home because video visits bring my provider to me. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. Get ready. Broadway is returning to Charlotte. Blumenthal Performing Arts has an incredible selection of upcoming hits, including the returns of Hamilton and Wicked, plus the long-awaited Charlotte debut of Disney's Frozen and many more fan-favorite musicals and plays. Season tickets are on sale now at BlumenthalArts.org slash BPA Broadway. Wash your hands, avoid sick people, and touching your face. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care doesn't have to wait because after hours, urgent care knows accidents happen. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. One of my favorite things, Jacob, uh, that, that you mentioned to me right off the bat when I started you know, getting into bourbon was um, I couldn't describe anything. And, you know, he would say to me that you might not be able to articulate it now until you hear the word. And then your brain will just connect them. Yeah, when, and you, that's, have, yeah, when you have a vocabulary yes. for something, you go, oh, yeah, it smells like tobacco. That's the, I never thought of it. It smells like, it smells like my grandpa's pipe. Yeah. And I'll say, too, with this last one, even though I've finished the, the tasting, <laughs> I finished the tasting, I poured some water in it, I drank the water. And now when I smell the glass, because it's conviction, they don't all do this, because it's conviction, that old empty glass smells like brown sugar I and smell leather, it too. and it's delicious. A lot, a lot, a <laughs> yep. lot of whiskeys, and, and it's, it's very traditional with scotch, but a drizzle of cold water will really explode the nose and open up the sweetness on it. The second one we're I tasting is our, it's our double oak. Um, it, it ages in two barrels over the course of its aging life instead of just one. And I believe this is one that, yes, this is a, this is a blend. This is one of our seasonal releases that was blended. So You'll I'm noticing right off the bat, it's a little darker. Color's a little darker. You get that second fresh char. Mm-hmm. You, go in a, you go in a second new barrel and you pick up that second fresh char. Immediately I can feel a viscosity difference between them. This one really does have a good mouthfeel. It's yeah. almost butterscotch. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it's like. I really like that, actually. Mm-hmm. Now, I can. Now this one feels much more mellow. Mm-hmm. It, there is obviously more oak going on. I can yeah. definitely taste that. But in terms of like first taste, it's not all the sparkles that I was referring to right. earlier. It's much more mellow. Um, it doesn't bite you quite as hard. Well, and this is, it's funny that I like this because it is predictable in that I'm one of those monsters that really loves an oaky Chardonnay, Mm -hmm. even though it is like almost bad words in Napa Valley. They're like, um, we don't do that anymore. That's from the seventies. But, but yeah, I can definitely feel that like buttery sort of mouthfeel. And that's, that's what we talk about in our tastings. When people say, what do you mean mouthfeel? What, how do you, 
that it's it's like cooking with butter. You don't want the food to taste like butter, mm-hmm. but you want that lingering clinging effect. Yeah. And the, the real trick for our bourbons is that alcohol is is thinner than water, but it has a better mouthfeel than water. It, it it lingers, it clings, it gives the fifth stage. And this one, like I said, this one's a blend, but you're again you not a not a whiskey drinker by trade. This is a hundred proof booze at room temperature. Yeah. And you're kind of digging it a little I'm bit. I'm digging it. I'm not going to lie. This is pretty This is pretty jarring to me that I'm, I'm having some life-changing moments here. And, and again, this is my favorite thing is that when I've done tastings, I, I keep a little bit in every glass because, again, I'm still trying to build my vocabulary. Also, so you I don't go back and get sniff. Abby drunk. Don't get... No, it's very dangerous. <laughs> it's very easy um, to have It's extremely <laughs> easy. It's a, I'm notoriously we're, lightweight. We're constantly offending um, waiters as they come around and go, did you not like your drink? Like, no, no, no. That's... She, she loved it. She can only have a quarter of it. <laughs> that's correct. That's, that's it. Or it takes me that long to finish it. But I'm, I'm coming back to the to the first one and just comparing the two. Oh. Again, in terms of like mouthfeel, the the taste and everything, I think I'm leaning towards the double oak. But when I come back and smell the like, glass, wait, I like this mm, one too. brown sugar all up in there. Now, is this this double oak, is this the winter or the spring? This is, this is the spring of 2021. I just had the winter uh, was the last uh, conviction I, I tasted. And I was like, I was like, oh, this is different. And it almost... And then we bought two. And then we bought two. <laughs> now, are you supposed to taste it the same way where you... Do you want to send it straight back or let it linger on your palate and sort of do the side-to-side thing or... I don't do whiskey side-to-side. I don't I don't chew whiskey. Mm-hmm. I, I want it to be a normal... A lot of that is... I don't know that cheating is the right word, but you're over-amplifying something when you sure. over-agitate it. You don't drink it that way. <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I don't shake the bottle. I mean, but but just a normal a normal pace. Uh, one thing that's very different in whiskey tasting from wine is in wine, and I know that professional coffee tasters also, the aroma is so important that they encourage and inhale mm. when they take the sip. Mm-hmm. We do the opposite. After we nose, we don't breathe on the intake of the spirit. We want to experience it without. The, the interference of, of of your of your smelling senses. Okay. Um, and another thing that does is it makes your draw a little more comfortable because you've held your breath for a couple of seconds. Mm. And then when you open your mouth and you take your draw, because the first few tastings I did and I talked to people about the draw, they're like, <laughs> it was it, it was this big huge sucking around, and I'm just like, no, just just a little tiny one. <laughs> and I'll say, as an amateur, when I leave. Um, a, a high proof uh, bourbon in my mouth to try to taste it and leave it in there too long. All of a sudden it's just like, Oak. it's like my whole tongue is saturated with Oak. And then I can't taste anything but Oak. And if I do a big old draw, the I'm like, okay, well I can taste alcohol now. Yeah. And that's the only thing I can taste. So I, m- my recommendation is, yeah, like, like you said, drink it. Okay. And then realize what you just drank. And then take follow, another sip and maybe do it a little bit slower. <laughs> and, and I'll say that, you know, we've mm. we've now started, thanks to Sebastian, trying to mix different uh, food items in the tasting. <laughs> to clarify, Sebastian is the master distiller. Sebastian is our master distiller. Yes, we got him. We He went to Appalachian. He had a chemistry degree with a focus in fermentation. And he, has, he, really, uh, he really stepped up our consistency and efficiency and sort of because I'm, you know, when you make liquor in the woods, you dump more yeast in it and stir it again. You don't know what you're doing. You just know what you're looking for. And he came on board right away, uh, knew knew what he was doing, 
and and picked up on the on the distillation side of it. So um, I don't like mango. I'm going to say that. However, I'm always surprised our, by I'm this. Just, I know. I, tropical stuff. I'm, I need to be up north in the tundra. Um, don't do tropicals. But, you know, Sebastian had presented some, like, dried mango. And he said, I'd be interested for you to try this and then try the drink again because it can alter the taste and, and how you're perceiving it. And sure enough, A, the mango tasted delicious. I literally bought some. Um, some dried mango. Yeah. Okay. So I'm here for it. Again, try anything. Try it anyway. Yeah, try That's it my anyway. Mantra. Try it anyway. Um, but yeah, and then going back and trying all of the different things, trying it with cheese or nuts or crackers or different fruits. Um, it's just a great way to, to experience all the different possibilities. It unlocks different aspects of the bourbon. Yeah, Same way with wine. Yeah. yeah, and everything will taste different too, depending like where uh, all the different bourbons we're tasting today will taste very different if you taste them after you just ate something or if you drank another bourbon. And these are going to taste a little bit different because we just drank two sips of bourbon earlier. Yeah, <laughs> so now this tastes different. And what's the best sort of, of meal to have with mm. with these types of, of bourbons? Uh, I mean, if it's almost always a less than medium rare Oh, oh hell. New bring York in the cow. Cut off what I want. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, knew I liked you, Thomas. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's just. At 73 cool. in Maine. It, um, you know, uh, New York Strip is, is really just corn that's been aged through a different mechanism. Good point. Just pairing those up right. there at the end of, of, their, of the process. Uh, this, a couple of things about tastings. Number one, I'm not real big on telling people what they should taste. Mm. It's what you do taste. We all have different points of reference. We all had something different for lunch. Mm. We all could smell exactly the same thing. And you might say caramel and I might say toffee. It's you're experiencing it for yourself. Yeah. And it, if, if somebody, you know, who, who drinks too much and all the time tells you that it's different, it's okay that it's different with you. It's not like you've gotten it wrong. Mm. And another another thing. So I should stop crying in the car when <laughs> yeah, I'm done. Yes, okay, yes. Don't don't let Sebastian make you cry. <laughs> yeah, he's, he he did a tasting one day, and after about five or six rounds of it, uh, he was we because we always start with there are no wrong answers, yeah. and then after about his fifth tasting, this guy said something, and Sebastian's like, "No, not really. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, you're wrong. Yeah, there are no wrong answers, but wow, that was wrong. That's close. As yeah. close as it gets. But but that. Uh, you know, experiencing it, and it, this is why different people can like different things, is people have these different points of references on flavor profiles. And something you were talking about, about once you hear somebody say it, you can find it. Mm -hmm. Something else that can happen is some people sort of taste it as a whole, and they will use descriptive terms that are, that are finished products. They will say it's bread pudding, or they will say mm. it's banana pudding, or it's it's toffee. Whereas another person will say, oh, there's, there's sugar and there's yeasty notes and then, and then there's some caramel at the end. If you put those three things together, it's a, it's a cinnamon roll or it's a bread. So sometimes it's just that people, I've gotten to the point that I'm just like the basest element of it. Whereas some people are like, oh man, this is and then they will say a thing that's like a finished baked My good. grandfather's mm -hmm. pipe. Yes. <laughs> and that, and yeah. that's how it is for me. Is because For me, it's like, I'm like, oh. And uh, a lot of people will think this is insulting, but it's absolutely not. A lot of times I'll taste a whiskey and they'll go, oh, a horse barn. Because like, there's hay. It smells like hay yeah. to me. And when I think hay, I think a horse stable. I'm like, oh, I'm like, it smells like a belt. 
Like a Sometimes good it does kind of smell like it's a specific. It's my buffalo belt that I have, <laughs> or my, it smells like grandpa. <laughs> it's oh. it's interesting that one of the and it's sort of a rare profile for us, but um, and we sometimes talk about it in terms of color. But that's I always just refer to that as yellow. It's cut hay. It's sunflowers. Mm. It's dried grasses, um, and if especially on the nose is particularly interesting yeah. when you when you smell that. Again, for folks like me who are, are just sort of through Abby and Jacob being introduced to Southern Grace, talk to me about how I can go up and visit and, and what that might look like. If you go on our website, you can book tours. Um, it's www.whiskeyprison.com. Love it. Um, and you can also get there at www.southerngracedistillerys.com. Gotcha. Um, book tours, come out and see us. Uh, for people who want to, we have the ghost tours that are available. We also have what is called our Behind the Bars tour, which is a group tour that uh, they, they go off at, at they I always book them at the wrong time. And people, oh, when people leave me with the phone, they're like, don't book any tours, just write their name down. <laughs> so that's, I, I'm not going to, you can go to the website and see when the tours are, but uh, we do those Tuesday through Saturday. Uh, they tour the entire facility, uh, get, a, get a little bit of prison history, get a little bit of whiskey uh, lesson on that. And then we have some other, uh, the small group tastings that Sebastian and I do, where we, uh, we sit down in the barrel house at the end of the tour. We go through uh, several bourbons and talk about the difference between each barrel. It's one thing to note, and you talked about uh, really big companies that produce really consistent products. That's really hard to do, and it impresses me. And I, I love Evan Williams. I love Evan Williams Black Label. It's tasted the same for 30 years. That's really hard to do. Uh, it's different than what we do, which is also really hard to do. Without blending, without cutting or watering down, you stick a straw in any barrel on our property, it tastes good. Can I do that? Can I stick a straw <laughs> yes, in yes. any barrel? Can I? Yes, yes. Bring a, bring a, a nice long straw. There you go. Yeah. But that's, that's uh, we're a... Our, our flagship conviction is a single barrel line. Now we do blend some of our seasonal special releases so that the class is consistent uh, within that season. But when you when you get conviction, it is it is single barrel. It is barrel proof. It's uncut and unfiltered. It's uh, it's an old school uh, way of of making bourbon, and you're tasting it just as it came out of the barrel. That's awesome. It is awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to go check it out. I know that you guys have been a couple of times and I'm and behind constantly. That, constantly. <laughs> we're, we're out there a fair amount. I can't amount. not be there. We, I went up, we went up for a, a tasting the other day to get uh, a little uh, uh, refresher course on the distillery. And Sebastian goes, oh, it's you. Emily uh, is our director of tourism. And she's sort of, I'm the COO, but she's the operations manager. I send her stuff to do. And it turns out better than if I'd have done it myself. And that's always <laughs> awesome. But yeah, Sebastian uh, does the guided tastings. He and I sort of split those up. But they're uh, they're a lot of fun. You guys need to come out, bring somebody with you. We'll sit you down. And um, for those of you who don't know what you're doing, we'll, yeah. we'll fix oh, that's that. Me. Yeah. We you just should write at me for the we record. Will, I have no that. idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can I can vouch for the fact that we've gone to several different experiences at Southern Grace, and it's always been incredible. I have learned something new. I have tried something different, and I'm always amazed. And I'm now starting to feel more confident about recognizing flavors on my palate and things like that that I never would have expected otherwise. Honestly, I can say with absolute confidence, this was the right bourbon for me to get started with. 
And so if you're new to bourbon or if you have been drinking bourbon a long time, you cannot go wrong here. Well, so one of the things that we do with all of the guests that we have on the podcast is uh, given that we are sort of featuring you and your business, we'd like you to pay it forward and tell us maybe a local business or, or another distillery that you know of um, that you want to shout out that that's one of your uh, favorites. Yeah, this is food and drink, so food wherever drink. you want to go. On the, on the food side, very local to our distillery is 73 in Maine. Mm-hmm. Uh, great restaurant, and it's, it's a really good spot for us to have close because they have one of North Carolina's great whiskey selections on their bar Mm. that you that they of course they have stuff they feature our stuff in a lot of their cocktails uh they have antique whiskeys in there i mean they have really really the food is the food is outstanding but for people who come out and want a bourbon experience and then continue that with dinner uh 73 in maine is is a really good a really good stopover for, for dinner after that. We should have stayed the extra 20 minutes to get seated, yeah, Jacob. We, last time we went, we were like, oh, we're, let's go to 73 in Maine afterwards. And it happened to be, we forgot, it was restaurant week, and they're participating oh. in restaurant week. And they're like, it's going to be a minute. And I'm like, I'm pretty hungry. So we just went home. <laughs> <laughs> but um, unfortunately, we got a call like 10 minutes later. They're like, your reservation's ready. Oh, man, we're, we're already McDonald's. halfway to McDonald's. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dang. We will be fixing but this, we though. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll remedy yeah. that for sure, because I know my partner, Jeff, would also really enjoy yeah. it, because um, he is much more of the, the spirits kind of guy yeah. than, I, than I am traditionally. But you know what? Maybe this is the kickstart to my education. I so. can't wait. The one that we're playing with now, this is uh, Conviction Cognac Cask. We took a uh, two-year-old Conviction. We, uh, we bought a cask that had had cognac in it for 25 years. Huh and had it shipped in from France, and we filled it up with conviction for right about a year. And, and you're now getting bourbon that has been cask finish in a cognac cask. Talk to me, Jen. The finish on that is so much longer, right? Yeah. It's just sticking around. It, this is probably the most complex flavor profile of any product we've released. But to me, and you were talking about you know, smells that some mm-hmm. people don't think are flattering, Ones that I say that that are that way that people don't get that I'm digging something is if it smells like a wine cellar or potting soil or a crawl mm. space. Oh, I love dirt. Dank, yeah. dank dirt. Dirt. <laughs> it's just for me that to me that sort of triggers me that there's something special that's getting ready to happen. It feels like history almost. It like, does. It's it's a it's a it's a mausoleum or a crypt. It's just this ah, yes. moist <laughs> soil. That. Yeah. Yes. Like, mm. And and on this one. On the nose. Can you hear that? Is that good? Oh, yeah. That's good. That's good podcast. Beautiful. What's creating that? It, it tastes, it, it noses like a much, much older spirit. Mm. And that's because that cognac cask was 25 years old. It's old, wet oak. And then the bourbon goes into it. And you steal all of those years and all of that nose. You get it right up front. And it's what I really love about this product is you put your nose in it and you just know it's different. The thing that I'm getting most on this is a banana runt. (gasps) What? Yes. (laughs) It smells really good, but like that's... Like you know, weird, has anyone else said banana on this before? I haven't gotten banana on mine, but... Not on this one. Um, uh, Sebastian did a pick of the double oak. We did a single barrel of the double oak um, that it was just like banana pudding. It was just these yeah. bananas foster, just these rich, dark yeah. sugars and esters that... 
that, that produced that. But this one, um, and we did a Vino de Naranga in, in, in the spring that was outstanding. But this one just, and, and it, it tastes like just chocolate dipped candied orange Ooh. peel. They're just, it's amazing. It's different than, than the cognac. One thing that I was most proud of is that our, our cask finishing, they're ending up actually being different. Some companies do cask finishing. They do great bourbon, and then you, you pay the extra 15 bucks for the cask finish, and it still just kind of tastes like their bourbon. I'm like, this isn't acting or smelling or tasting like 25-year-old cognac. To me, this, like the, the finish for this, for me, it gets really bright and lightly acidic and balances everything out, and that's just like playing with cognac. It, it sort of reverts that that base spirit from the cask asserts itself even in this bourbon, and that that's fun for, for, yeah. for you know, when you do it. It's a little grapey, it's all which might be, which might be all I gen likes. People who are wine people or food people, people who cook, I, I've even noticed people that are really gifted in visual arts, if you have the ability to discern, mm. you come to whiskey, you bring that with you, even if you haven't done it before. If you can really do wine, or you can really cook, or you really love good food, you're just a few tricks away from getting into the People who have the ability to discern and appreciate things that are well-made and well-done, there's no magic to what you're doing. You bring that ability with you. Our tastings are always fascinating. I always ask people, what do you do? They say, I'm new. I don't drink this. I don't know anything. I say, what do you do? And they tell me what they do. And it's this really detailed work and I'm like you're gonna get this <laughs> at the end of the day I mean this is why Thomas I wanted you guys to come onto this podcast so badly is that you guys are doing so many innovative transformative and exciting things uh, with bourbon and so thank you for being yeah. in our area this is not a long drive right to get out there right? well, how far is Mount it? Pleasant I from, mean to- from down from uptown Charlotte it's maybe 40 minutes 40 so 45 minutes incredible. it's it's yeah it's close it's closer than um the llama vineyard that's so. right and <laughs> I and I and he loves llamas. I would say go go to the whiskey prison. You can, you can go pet llamas, or you can go hang out with some ghosts. So. That's exactly right. Well, awesome. Thomas Becker, thank you again from Southern Grace Distilleries. We're so grateful to have you here. Um, and once again, if you're interested in learning more, or again, if you have barrel four eleven for Jacob, yeah. you can email us that. at amusedboushpod <laughs> at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, amused.boosh.pod. Um, and always uh, like, rate, review, subscribe, subscribe yeah. uh, whenever you have a chance. Thanks again, Thomas. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Any, Th- any parting words? Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, come see us. Uh, tastings come with tours. So Cool. There you go. Whiskeyprison.com. That's it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. For this batch, my name is Jen. My name is Abby. And this is Amused Amused Boosh. Boosh.